Computer, initialize Holosuite. Listeners to another episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, or as it, it is displayed on yours, probably an Enterprise podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Hill, and with me is Kyle West. I, as you know, as you noticed, I, I held my my, my usual <laughs> spiel there again. I'm doing well, mate. Uh, just on that note, actually, about uh, how we appear as The Expanse an Enterprise podcast. Uh, I changed it uh, today. Oh, actually okay. today. So it should already be hopefully changing on people's feeds by the time they hear this. Assuming I've changed the right thing. But now that I'm in my in my <laughs> elevated role at Hollow Street Media, uh, I have access to such things. So I've changed the name. Uh, it turns out it was for no good reason that that was ever our name. Uh, we... Yeah assumed it had been done when the feed was set up for us due to character limits limits but um it wasn't <laughs> so yeah so we've changed that so uh as as we usually say just go ahead and uh like and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and if they do have the ability to review we'd we'd love for you to give us the that five star review helps us with with those searches as well you don't have to leave leave a written review, just the stars, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, just leave the stars. Do it now, guys, whilst you've got your device in your hand or however yeah. you... Unless unless you're driving. If that <laughs> if that's the case, pop, you know, uh, tell your phone to, to pause it and open up, or tell it to open up your notes and tell you to leave a note. <laughs> there you go, you've been, you've been told. No road accidents, though, because of us. We don't want any of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can also uh, find us on social media at NX01podcast, uh, the big three of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we do also have a uh, Patreon. That's at uh, patreon.com slash NX01podcast as well. Um, we'll go ahead and leave you some more details here after a bit. Yeah, in case you weren't paying attention last week, which you, you probably should have, or you know, our social media feeds, we, we are going to be talking about Shockwave Part 2. We're not going to make you wait a summer or, you know, a summer and a fall to, to, to get our thoughts on, on the next one. <laughs> yeah, you only have to wait one week. So anyways, uh, how are you doing this week, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, good. Uh, it's just lockdown, basically, in, in my country. So uh, yeah. we, I don't, like, I, as I, we record this, I'm not even sure if my country is in lockdown. Like, I, <laughs> like I, genuinely, I have no idea because... <laughs> England is in lockdown, full national lockdown. Uh, but Wales, which is part of the the union, though, but Wales stopped doing what England were doing uh, months and months ago because the, the English government, which represents the British government, were too slow to react. So Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, they all started doing their own um, procedures for COVID. Now, we've had lockdowns at different yeah. times since then, different restrictions. We only really get media coverage of what's going on in England. 
uh, for the rules, but they don't apply to us now. So I think we're in full <laughs> lockdown right now, but, <laughs> so, but I'm so, not sure. I don't know. So, so what? So what you're saying? <laughs> so what you're saying? There's going to be a whales it? Yeah, I think. Well, I think we're gonna. I think we're headed that way. Uh, <laughs> I would probably vote for Welsh independence right now, but. Yeah, I have no idea if I'm allowed to go and do anything. But like the bars are all closed, the pubs are closed, uh, schools are closed. So my weekdays are a bit tougher right now, uh, which is, I, I love getting time with the kids. But a year ago when all the lockdown started, it was a bit easier because my son was only in reception, mm-hmm. which is like the first year of school. So all they do is, sorry, he was only in um, nursery. So they just play, basically. Yeah. But now he's in reception and there's a bit of learning involved. And so ah. this time round, we're having to do the homeschooling, which we didn't need to do before. And it, it's quite hard sometimes. I'm, I'm lucky that Katie used to teach at that school, actually, at that age group. So she's okay. pretty switched on with how to do these things with Harrison. Yeah, but I mean, she said herself, the teachers are giving more, much more work than they would have ever given in class. So I think it's done to try and, I don't know, keep the kids busy at home or something but it's actually just putting more yeah. work on the parents because you know you're trying to fit them in around other stuff uh, but our, our own work uh, luckily I work from home anyway right now so it's not a problem same for Katie but yeah it's just exhausting um, exhausting <laughs> but little times like this where we do <laughs> podcasting and I got my own website nerdsince86.com that's an 86 numbers guys and it keeps me busy but the downside of having the kids home all the time is that I don't have the time that I plan for content creation. So things are going out a little later than yeah. I wanted um, or taking a little longer to produce, particularly on the video side of things for, for Nerds Since 86. Uh, and that's all just because of COVID. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you'll be having yeah. my vaccine in a few months. Just a note, actually, people listening. Just because you have the vaccine to mm-hmm. COVID-19 does not mean... You cannot spread it. We cannot forget that COVID-19, it is a contact um, virus. So that whole washing your hands thing, you don't suddenly have to not wash your hands because you've had the vaccine. You can still touch something (laughs) that someone has touched who may have the virus germs on their hand and you could touch it and you could spread it Mm -hmm. to someone else. So if you do get the vaccine, which I hope you do, um, if you do get it, do not think suddenly you can't make other people ill just because you've been vaccinated. You can make other people ill. So we're all in this together. Until everyone's been vaccinated, we're all in this together. And that's my little uh, message of the week <laughs> to to please uh, get your vaccine yeah. and please remember that the virus still exists and you could still transfer it if you're not careful. And, and if you're worried about microchips, um, if you're listening to this on the cell phone... Uh, that's basically a microchip yeah, been, right everything there. Everything you do so. is being tracked on your phone. <laughs> Listens to everything. I'm pretty sure it's plugged into my dreams sometimes yeah. from the stuff that shows up on the, uh, <laughs> the adverts. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from the show. To all of our existing patrons, we 
appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash annex01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. So, um, as we discussed, we're going to be talking about Shockwave Part 2 today. I'll go ahead and give you a quick down and dirty on on what all took place. Uh, We open up with Archer, you know, being gone from the Enterprise and Silic is trying to, or Silic's being like, you know, where is he? (laughs) He's not here. So I I, I don't think he he would, you know, be dumb enough to to try to play this type of game. And T'Pol and Tucker, you know, think that he's already gone and that Silic is just lying about, you know, him not being taken over. And that's when we get our our wonderful, nice, slow, melodic opening credits. I had to skip it this time, man. Just because of time? Yeah, I was running I was running tight to our podcast recording, so I had <laughs> ninety minutes uh, to fit both in, which should have been done, but the first episode ended for some reason for me for um, at quarter to the hour, uh, so I had forty-five minutes left, and I thought mm-hmm. it's just enough, but I need some setup time, uh, so I had to skip, and I felt dirty as I did it. I felt dirty. Yeah, and then and then and then right right as we were supposed to get on, I was like, hey, I need <laughs> yeah, so I didn't to even need to do up. it anyway. I could have had my moment with it. <laughs> I, funny enough, actually, when I listened to the theme song though on the first part, uh, Katie had just gone up to bed, and mm-hmm. she messaged me. Uh, saying something like, oh, I can hear that with like the uh, the live long and prosper emoji uh, <laughs> sent to me. So um, big fans of the song in this house, yeah. as I've said before. Yeah, I can say that my, my house <laughs> as well. So I, I was questioning why I was watching the NFC title game and, and Star Trek Enterprise at the same time and, you know, how I could focus on both, which that's just kind of how my mind works. I can have, you know, multiple things going on around me and, and still focus on, on both of them. Not for me. If I'm watching something on the TV properly, uh, <laughs> I cannot have any other noise mm-hmm. in the house. Like, my kids will be sat there yeah. watching something on our phones or something when me and Katie are trying to watch TV. So we give them our phones mm-hmm. to stay quiet. And I have to have it, like, almost muted. Because if I can hear a little voice coming off the phone, <laughs> it really ruins... It takes me out of what I'm watching uh, completely. So I've actually... Yeah. We've got them headphones for Christmas. And uh, I've bought them the little adapter okay. so they can plug in the headphones into my uh, into my iPhone. <laughs> so I've got I've got all bases okay. covered now. So I can just well, if I need to watch the TV, <laughs> I can just like be lost in it, and not worry about the kids. Yeah, yeah. I can say kind of kind of a side note on this. You know, when when I was in high school, I I would have at, at some points I would have or I would be doing my homework, have the radio going and something on <laughs> What's TV. The point? At the same, the all, all three things at the same time. What was the point of that? It, it just, for for me, it just kind of, you know, kept me more focused on what I was doing. <laughs> just kind of having having that around, so. And as as far as sleeping, I have to have either, like, the, the TV on with, with the sleep oh, wow. timer or a I'm radio sure, play. No, I'm, uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm often just trying to get silence when I go to sleep. I can't have the TV on. Katie's like that. She <laughs> she loves to have the TV on to fall asleep to. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, not for me. I always feel like I'm missing something on the TV. Uh, you know, or if it's um, 
like I can't even stop an episode of, on Netflix halfway through because what if it messes up my uh, viewing? You know, you look at the Netflix profile and you see like the red line of how far you've watched. Yeah. Like, what if it messes up my my uh, my <laughs> symmetrical lines across each <laughs> each each episode? So yeah, but uh, I mean, I digress. We've <laughs> we've we've moved off the uh, yeah. the point there. All right, so yeah, getting back on track here. Uh, the The beginning of Act One, you know, we 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 return to Archer and Daniels stranded in the thirty first century, you know, with no technology, and Daniels is kind of wondering, you know, why why he and Archer are there, but no nothing else really. There's supposed to be a monument to the Federation that wasn't there, and you know, explaining that the Federation didn't exist, you know, at this time, or and you know that it simply cease to at any point and so they they make their their way to the library which was fairly close to it and daniels was uh kind of struck that you know he was expecting you know files and electronically stored stuff but it was actually physical books so we'll kind of we'll kind of kind of stop there with with you know doing the the teaser and, and act and the first part of act one what what did you think about about how they they set it up to to get us back into the into the episode. Well, I like the confusion on the Enterprise that as to where Archer was because as far as they were concerned, he was he he done what mm-hmm. was meant. He'd had that farewell speech uh, with the Morley, you know, and uh, which implied that he was never going to see them again. Um, yeah, but like Archer and Archer and Daniel, sorry, on on Earth, uh, Archer's sort of rage about it, and the little bits of information we were suddenly getting, like. Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea that the Federation, he didn't, he couldn't see the statue for the Federation, or the monument for it, sorry, which implied that the Federation never existed. It, it kind of gave a timeline for us. So without yeah. t- outright telling us um, when things had gone wrong, we know Archer going, but you know, what had completely changed, they were telling us that, well, Archer being gone stopped the Federation from being formed. And I think that's the first time the show yeah. ever told us that, uh, that Archer needed to be there for the Federation to exist. We saw multiple instances of where Archer's presence was necessary. You could, I want to use the term, yeah. I want to like use a term from Doctor Who, where you know they talk about a fixed point in history. It's as if Archer's right. presence is a fixed point. You can't change that. If you change that, you destroy everything. It has to happen. And I think this is the first yeah. time we got that. Uh, that indication and I, I can't even remember actually even though i've just watched it if the episode specifically spells that out to us that it's his presence that is necessary but it's yeah. very clear yeah because archer yeah later on archer was like you know well mm. there was a lot of people yeah. oh yeah yeah he says but yeah and everything and then they, they kind of they kind of work it out to or i think either archer works it out or daniel straight up tell Straight up tells him, you know, it's because of you that the Federation yeah. happened. And you know what? You know what's something that's interesting there, Chris. If that was seen was in Discovery, and that was being said to Michael Burnham, there would be a lot of people oh. um, kicking off about how she's the center of everything, and this it's there. never been like this on Star Trek before. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like that exact scene could be played with Burnham and the bloody complainers, the racists. Everyone would be out. Um, yep. p- picking it apart yeah. and I'm going to call them all out now because it, it really pisses me off Chris I see this every flipping week every day I can't go on Facebook without someone posting about how Michael Burnham why is the show all about her it's like 
that it was never all about someone and no, no one was ever super important to the the galaxy. We just seen it right here. We just found out that one man, oh, one yeah. single man has to be there <laughs> for the federation to exist. Forget everyone yeah. else. If Jonathan Archer isn't there, there's no federation. Yeah. And and you know t- taking it taking it back in series and forward in time, if Benjamin Sisko isn't there, the federation, you know, falls by yeah. the wayside. And yet no one no one's kicking off about that uh, is it's no. uncanny even though he shares he shares the, it, the same skin color as Michael Burnham I would throw in it's the gender it's, it, yeah it, it, it comes down the to gender. sexism and there's, there's two issues yeah. there racism and sexism and uh, people just pick whichever one suits them with Michael Burnham uh, quite often it's both but yeah uh, yeah sorry to sidetrack then but I just think I think we need to remind people of this because People see other people make these comments online, and they start to they start to think that themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Why is everything about Michael? It shouldn't be Michael Burnham. Yeah, getting the Federation back together. How can one person do that? Well, you know, we're, what we're seeing. Yeah, we're seeing this one year. Person 18, started nineteen years ago. We were told that one person was going to start the Federation, but no one was complaining. In fact, we were all part of that journey, and the show kept telling us. Yeah, all throughout, Daniels was stopping Arch was trying to stop Archer from doing loads of things. Uh, because he, yeah, because he needed him they alive. Would have him killed. <laughs> for twenty one sixty one, when they were going to sign the Federation Accords. So, uh, no, yeah, sorry to uh, throw things out of whack there, but I think it needed to be said. Because and and another thing, I need I need to make sure we say just to make sh- make absolutely clear, sexism and racism have no place in Star in the Star Trek fandom. Yeah, I mean, nowhere anywhere, but that that they exist in Star Trek fandom of all fandoms is unreal and yeah. the funniest thing is the people who are most guilty of it are the ones talking about how the new trek pisses on gene roddenberry's vision and yet uh they're the ones who are they committing yeah, the crimes that gene roddenberry said did not exist it's it, it's all projection yeah 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 absolutely Absolutely. God, we could have a whole other podcast on this, couldn't we? Maybe we need to. Maybe we just need to get it out and piss off half our listeners. May, 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 actually, I think what we should do is, is you know, kind of, kind of talk to our patrons and see if see if they'd like to have that one just to be an exclusive one for them. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Maybe we will do that as an exclusive for the patrons. So if you want to become a patron, once yes. again, visit patreon.com forward slash NX01podcast. Uh, maybe we will have that discussion as an exclusive podcast just for you guys. Yeah. So yeah, after after we we you know, so so when when they show the scene of them entering the library, what what were your kind of first thoughts on that? Well, at this point, I'm loving everything that's going on on the uh, in the future. So everything we're finding out, everything we're seeing, it, mm-hmm. it's going exactly how I kind of hoped. You know, it's uh, a little bit of details. We're getting some hints at the Federation and things. Um, I guess this is kind of what the network always wanted when they forced. The Temple Cold War on it. They wanted to have these references yeah. to the future uh, and things that Trek fans knew about Star Trek. And I'm liking it. I'm liking that ride. But there's still a part of me thinking, how the hell are we going to get out of this situation? You know, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And for me, the episode, I will get it as it goes on. But it was still, it was still holding it up well. But I had no idea where the stuff on the NX01 was going to go. It seemed very clear very early on that actually whatever Archer was doing in the future was going to save the day in the past Mm -hmm. rather than, as I alluded to on last week's episode, that I thought it would be maybe the other way around. 
where what they did in the past might save Archer okay. in the future. So I guess it became very clear straight away that the Enterprise crew were screwed in this in this situation. So yeah. I mean, how about you? I mean, what, where were you sitting at with it all? Like the library, like you said, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed actually that they did go to a library. I I did find it, you know, kind of kind of neat that it was you know physical books, just because I I like having physical books usually over mm. over the, the ebooks. But sometimes it's easier for yeah. me to read on the ebooks, just because it's it my I have my <laughs> phone with me all the time. And so. just a note, sorry on the libraries, I didn't really address it. I thought it was a great idea, mm-hmm. but. The idea of the library would be that we could find out more stuff or hear things that we know existed. And we kind of got it, the mention of the Romulan Star Empire that follows. But because they kind of made it clear that this, the Federation didn't exist, so actually the timeline that they're in right now completely uh, deviates from what we knew to happen. I guess they couldn't really take advantage of the library in the way that they could have, yeah, because so much of the history is not what we know it to be at that point until they correct it so but it's an interesting idea i guess they're saying that that library was still mostly books and such then at the time of enterprise and that it just never had the opportunity then to Mm -hmm. to become digitalized digitalized get digitized so all right uh and then you know uh back on enterprise uh the suliban start to search through the whole ship and they still can't find archer but they did get their uh, data disks back that we had captured in, in the uh, finale from last season. And then at that point, that's when they, they detected the temporal signature of mm-hmm. Archer's last known location there in the turbo lift. And then, uh, you know, Silic's kind of questioning to pull and kind of gets convinced in, in, in the way that Vulcans like, try to do with, with all all the uh, aliens that she's not lying, which actually in this case she isn't. But we, we know how... Vulcans like to stretch the truth at times, even though they say they don't lie. Well, that's definitely what she was kind of doing because she's just saying that you know we saw Jonathan Archer yeah. enter the turbo lift and he was coming to you. So yeah, it's, she's not lying. Well, it, at all. It, it's it's lying by omission. But she, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she clearly yeah. is a very smart woman. So she, uh, she is hearing this. She knows Daniels mm-hmm. was involved with Archer previously, so she must be connecting some dots there, you know, Daniels has got in, but she's not mentioning that, because actually, the question wasn't right. asking for those details, so again, it's that, yeah, amazing Vulcan thing of only having to answer, well, only having to give as much information as the answer, as the question yep. required for it to be truthful, <laughs> you know, so she's left out stuff that she clearly had probably known happened, uh, which... God bless her. It's a, a big, uh, some big moments for Paul yeah. actually in this episode. Um, yeah, and at, at this point, you know, the, the Suliban totally have the Annex One, and Silic orders the crew to their quarters. Which you know, this is where this is where later on we we get come come to a scene that we'll we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, back on Earth, uh, Ambassador Saval confronts Admiral Forrest about you know how the Enterprise has been delayed you know three days. And uh, the Dakar is going off to recover to pull since the Enterprise has failed to, to meet at the rendezvous point. Commander Williams. I like this yeah. scene on Earth. Uh, it just, there was a few times we saw this throughout the show. I kind of like these hints of what was going on on Earth generally, the political scene. Maybe what we would have seen had the show had that first year on Earth, which Brandon Braga and Rick Berman wanted. This kind of always makes me think that's what we would have 
what we would have seen. I would love to have seen more of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, especially got gotten to know uh, Commander Williams is the guy's name that that was you know kind of back talking to to Zavol there. Mm. Um, was like you know first appearance since the pilot. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, so. Yeah. Uh, he's like you know just kind of kind of seeing what the the Dakar you know detected on their long range sensors, and that's when Zavol's like, well, they did detect that the Enterprise was joined by several unidentified vessels and left their sensor range. Saval, you know, being Vulcan at this point, assuming that Archer, a human, is is doing whatever the hell he wants, you know, was doing this intentionally, and that T'Pol wouldn't agree with it, and so she's being detained. Williams, knowing Archer a little bit better, I would think, immediately objects and but but Forrest is is confident. There's a good good reason, and that you know, and you know encourages the Dakar to to pursue, or encourages Saval to tell the Dakar to pursue and find out what's going on. So that's the the end of Act One there. So any other further comment on our little meeting here with Saval and Forrest and his camp to aid? Well, it's nice to know what's going on back there. I mean, Saval it just cements him as just a complete asshat and, at this uh, point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at this point, obviously, the t- that completely changes a few years later. But uh, it was nice to see what was going on, like I said, on Earth. And it kind of almost gives you the suggestion that the Vulcans are going to come and yeah come to the rescue and save the day, which uh, isn't isn't quite what we get. But um, but at this point, I'm watching this and less interested in what's going on on the NX01. I'm more interested in the future and on Earth, I think, is where I was, was at as a viewer. Yeah, I definitely would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more there in the future. Definitely throughout the series, a little more on Earth, you know, sort of the, the political mm. ins and outs. If Enterprise were made now, we'd definitely have a few short treks about it. Yeah, yeah. Which, which you know, hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, Mr. Kurtzman, we are wanting Enterprise short treks in some form or fashion. Oh God, so many people ask for like even just an animated yeah continuation. You know, I just oh, please just give us something or or you know please or or you know Porthos Day where he just you know goes about the ship and people give him cheese. Yeah. <laughs> we would be yeah. happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say you know you said that you you were hoping for a bit more about the future in that first mm-hmm. act uh, with Archer. I think the truth is, the reason we didn't get it, even though that was the hook that everyone wanted to see after the first season finale, the truth is they didn't really know what to do, mate. Yeah. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do in the future. And, I mean, I'm always positive on this show. I rarely call things out. But they... And I guess we'll talk more about the resolution of the cliffhanger later. But they had really painted themselves into a corner with how stranded Archer and Daniels were. And so they were going to piece together a, no pun intended, but they were going to piece together a really dodgy plan to get Archer back in time. And I don't think they wanted there to be much focus on that. I don't think... That way they didn't have to come up with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think they thought if we spend too much time with Daniels and Archer, we're going to really draw attention to the way we're resolving this plot line. It's yeah. better we spend as little time there as possible, um, throw in some references to keep the fans happy. But, you know, there was so much more they could have put 
Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we'll so talk I'm gonna say later, yeah, and we're, I, I think that's why they avoided yeah, it. Yeah, and we're, we're kind of we're kind of getting ready to cu- come up to it too. Um, but yeah, here in here in Act Two, uh, the Sulaban bring the Enterprise back to a nearby helix. Uh, Silix still trying to get in contact with Future Guy for instructions on how to proceed, but Future Guy isn't responding because he's gone. Yeah, yeah that, um, and you know the, you know. And and uh, Commander Rand, his uh, Silix second in in command, is like is thinking, you know, it's because they technically did fail in their mission, because one, they they didn't uh, get Archer, and two, they didn't destroy the Enterprise. Hmm. And and yeah. that you stir in the pot, yeah, and that that you might be the reason the for and... for the the avoidance. Yeah. Um. Then, uh, but but still looks like no. Uh, this temporal signature, you know, changes the mission, and that's why we need new instructions. And Rand's wanting. He was quite right, actually. Can I just say, Silic was yeah. right, even though, uh, even though this episode just cemented that Silic wasn't a strong individual on on his own, and he was um, desperate for Future Guy's approval and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, he he was correct. The fact that they picked up the temporal signature confirmed that someone from the future was helping the enterprise crew and that was information that future guy needed yeah. uh, needed to know they didn't know because he knew Dan- daniels had been there he assumed he'd got rid of that problem so i'm guessing he's thinking someone else is here yeah. someone else is getting involved we need to know who so i, I side with silic on that one yeah and and you know it's also kind of you know little little bit of a a, a tangent here this right here, the, these two episodes, should de- debunk any you know rumors or theories of Archer being Future Guy, because why would Archer oh, want to kidnap himself and you know destroy yeah. destroy the Warp Five program? Yeah, which is why it's more absurd that it's Brandon Bragger who came out and said that he wanted Future Guy to be Archer. Yeah, because it just wouldn't have. It doesn't fit with the show at all, and yeah, particularly these two episodes. It just doesn't work yeah. at all. They they would have had to have done some serious retconning, yeah, to to yeah. get it to work. So, which makes me me think that that they were actually wanting to to do something else entirely with Future Guy, just so that way people would stop asking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Rand Rand at this point's you know still trying to be adamant, like, well, we still could complete part of the mission by destroying the Enterprise. But Silic instead says, you know, he wants to to bring T'Pol in to uh, interrogate her. So, what what did you think about these are r- good? These are rough scenes, yeah. I mean, uh, T'Pol's uh, torture or interrogation, yeah. whatever you want to call it, was quite uncomfortable, and I thought Jolene did a fantastic job, definitely. In those scenes, and T'Pol came off as very vulnerable mm-hmm. in those scenes, and it made you want to sort of dive into your TV screen and and help her out. Yeah, um, yeah. give her a hug, a, a weighted blanket. Yeah, <laughs> because you also know that in that moment she is still maintaining uh, or still protecting Archer. Yeah, you know where she's just where they're talking about time travel, and you know she's in the Vulcan Science Academy, whatever. the whatever the hell it is she, she says um have said time travel uh, is not possible yeah. so again she's not lying to him she's yeah. given a truthful answer but she knows that that answer 
is not what Silic wants. She knows she has a better answer right. for him, but she ain't going to give it. And I think that takes big balls. You know, that, that is oh, remarkably yeah. brave of her, given that they were uh, mentally torturing her. I don't, know what, I don't know what it was they were doing to her. Um, but, it looked like know. they were injecting her with some kind of truth serum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I thought she did very well there. They were uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. And to see the the damage done after that, when we see DePaul and she's put back in her, uh, in her cabin and she's on the bed and she's shaking, like, that is the worst part because yeah. none of that was for anyone else. Nothing on show. DePaul was just a bit broken. And I really wish, I mean, jumping ahead of myself, but I wish... There'd been more fallout from that. Yeah, I really wish we'd seen Paul struggle for a few episodes yeah. just with what happened to her in that one, and we would have, we would have if this was a season three or four episode. Yeah, <laughs> but in season two, we didn't get that. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. It seems like you know, Shockwave Park Two takes place you know a couple weeks or months you know before the next episode, Carbon Creek, because there she's you know back to her typical Vulcan self. Yeah, yeah. Making jokes at Tripp's expense. Yeah. And, <laughs> and all sorts. So, after uh, Silic's given the order, that's when we kind of jump back back to the future. And in the library, that in the library, Daniels confirms that, you know, events are correct up until the Warp 5 program, but then that's when things start to go to go wrong. You know, there's the, the back and forth there between Archer and Daniels a bit, and, you know, Archer's just trying to get more information so he can actually try to help and figure out what's going on and but but you know daniels is still trying to uphold the the temporal prime directive and everything as best he can even though he's slightly violated it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but you know he he wouldn't he wouldn't be a good starfleet captain if he didn't violate the the prime directive at least a little bit do you not think that daniels was holding on to information for no reason at that point you know like yeah Art just trying to ask questions about the Federation and all these things. And Daniels isn't giving this information out. But at that point, Daniels didn't think there was any way to fix it. So yeah. why didn't he share the information? You know, is it because it just it seems like it was unnecessary to almost antagonize Archer yeah. in that way at that point. Yeah, it, it's almost like like he was trying to pretend like he, he didn't have a way out already. Hmm. Yeah. Or I mean, he he, he he was pretending that he did have a way out. Sorry. Instead of yeah, pretending he did have a way out, so that way he wouldn't you know reveal secrets and stuff. But yeah, after after this, you know, uh, Archer's looking through the books and he sees he actually literally picks up one that says Romulan Star Empire, and Daniel's like, you don't need to learn about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which again, I'm wondering why was it relevant, but you know, it was. I think it was teasing for us that we were going to see the Romulans two episodes later. Yeah. So, uh, no complaints from me on that one. Yeah, and uh, at that point, Daniels is like, you know, er, Daniels says that Archer's mission needs to be successful, but simply says it led to others, you know, instead of going into the Federation. So so basically, with, with Archer being removed, the, the Tellarites and Dorans and Vulcans and, and humans all kind of go their separate ways and Chaos rules this part of the... Yeah, chaos ensues, yeah. The, the Alpha Quadrant. At this point, Daniels realizes that, you know, it wasn't necessarily stopping Enterprise, it was getting Archer than the Suliban wanted. 
And then he takes that out and is like, oh, I just did their job for them. And, you know, Archer comes up with the classic, you know, chicken or the egg problem there. This episode did a whole lot of pointing out the paradoxes and things like that yeah. that exist. And kind of thought that by a, by pointing out the paradox, we don't have to explain it. Yeah. As long as we point out that, yeah, there's this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There was never like there was never an attempt to explain it away. That's a bit disappointing. Um, yeah. At least in Doctor Who, he's trying to say, "Wait, no, it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey." Yeah. Well, like, oh, okay, that. that's an ex- yeah, 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 that's an explanation. Yeah, fair enough. Wibbly wobbly timey timey wimey. Yeah. But see, see, at this here. point, yeah. at the, at this point, that that phrase wouldn't have entered into the the, the nerd no, vocabulary true. for like another four years. Yeah, maybe maybe a little longer actually. Yeah. Well, this was this was uh, two thousand two. Yeah, show started two thousand five, and uh, Tenet didn't say that until I think oh six oh seven, whenever yeah. Blink came out. Uh, oh seven. Okay. Yeah, just watched that recently, actually. So, so yeah, like I said, I, I, I like that one, but but you know, really, really, my companion, my favorite companion with 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 Tenet is uh, is Donna. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Oh God! Move on. I'm not even having this conversation. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, see, so yeah, and, and you know, since there's not not even electricity going on, but then you know, that's when Daniels gets the idea and asks Archer, first communicator and scanner, and sends Archer out for some copper to 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 uh, to make the the communicator and scanner into a temporal projection machine. Go ahead. <laughs> I can see you shaking just... your head. <laughs> At the end of season one, Daniel says, all the tech's gone. There's no way I can send you back. And then in this episode, he's not being able to send a communication back. And he used to make these things in high school. Yeah. At his, t- at his desk. Little materials that actually weren't that hard to find. They found them quite easily. So it just completely contradicts what season one told us. Uh-huh. And and it makes out actually, he makes a joke about how easy it is to do. So the whole thing of how is he going to get back in time? Um, Daniels had these had this route already. I guess it was helped by the fact that he'd left tech back there. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be able to do it. But he knew all these things when he said, "Oh, there's no way to get back." He'd had time to think about it before he made that statement in part one. So I, it just frustrates me. At, how silly it was and it, it you know i can enjoy the episodes enough but a two-parter that could have been a really memorable star trek two-parter becomes just another star trek two-parter yeah because of how they resolved this part of it this stuff with daniels this is what it weakened both episodes in my opinion okay like i said i i, I think for for me, he didn't realize that, or that, like they kind of had the the conversation about having you know the communicator and tech and uh, scanner off screen, and so that's where he got got his ideas. You know, I'm 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 trying to headcanon this out, out out the wazoo, but you know that that's just kind of one of the things I do. <laughs> I would have watched this episode as a I must have still been fifteen. No, I would have been sixteen uh, when I watched this episode the first time. 
and I knew then that this was just bogus. Yeah. You know, I, I, I even then, not a switched on TV viewer. We didn't have the complex TV back then that we have now, where we're becoming more uh, just smarter with where plots can go and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even then, I knew that this was not the payoff that I had been expecting to have. Um, so disappointing. Yeah. But they had no other choice because again, they they you know they painted themselves into a corner. Yeah. So um, I can say then then at that point when you know they they send Archer off to to find uh, to find the copper for the communicator and scanner to make this little temporal projector, that's when we cut back to to the past and we see Tapol returning to her quarters. Um. But kind of before that, Trip's already working on on getting the comms together so that way they can talk to each other in their rooms using the uh, EPS conduit grid. And if so, so at that point, did you think that that it was that since they had kind of cut cut directly from from the future to you know Malcolm answering his comm, did you think that that it was Archer on the other end at first? Yeah, I did, and even now, when I just rewatched it, <laughs> I thought the same thing because um, it's muffled and it's a male voice. And, so, yeah, and you, you can't think, you can't quite hear the draw yet. Yeah, uh, to me, yes, I thought it was Archer. Uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not, though. Do you think it was intentional? I, I, I think so. Just just yeah. kind of throw sense the audience was, off yeah. a bit. Yeah, fair play to him if, if that was the case. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was Archer. Almost, almost disappointed when it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, oh, it's only trip. Oh, jeez, okay. Oh, they're gonna. <laughs> but hey, they're hey, gonna at least they can talk to each other now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. When when uh, when Tapol returns to her quarters, you know, we see her, you know, kind of dazed and still, still, you know, feeling the after effects of the, the the truth serum and, and being tortured. Um, and at this point, we see, uh. Basically, Fortress of Solitude Archer in into Paul's quarters. If you catch my drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they got it so accurate that Archer could appear in Paul's quarters at the moment she, she was in there. Yeah, and he's in the future with no technology. Yeah, because because they don't have the the the, the quantum whatever it was to to pinpoint yeah. stuff uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> so so but it's... but what did you what what did you think of of Tapol kind of mixing up you know uh the Vulcan science director director and has determined that time travel is impossible as sort of one of the answers she's giving to to uh Archer I think it's a bit sad I think she obviously's Thought she was either delirious or I was still being interrogated in some way. Yeah. I mean, she had some very valid uh, comments that she made, though, yeah. as to why, if Archer was in the future, why can't he come back? And obviously, she's not aware of the destruction that's been caused by him being gone. But I thought it was it was a shame. Uh, the 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 biggest shame of all this, though, is that. Where to Paul was emotionally mm-hmm. and physically from this is immediately dropped. Yeah. Um, 
when she buys into what Archer's uh, saying to her and and we just move on. She's just a pole then. She's getting everyone together and they're going to do their little breakout. Yeah. So yeah, that, that ends uh, Act 2 there. So beginning of Act 3 is when when our when the plan is 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 disseminated amongst the crew and and actually carried out um because trip's able to talk to not only reed and to pull they're on de- on b deck but also c deck down to hoshi and travis so so what did you think of the little little telephone type scenes that, that we had going on in that one uh, i was happy to see travis getting involved in it and shows that he's a part of that process, even if we don't see it on screen all the time. Yeah. I thought I thought the camera was incredibly close on Hoshi. Yeah. So when when she's put forward as someone who's gonna have to climb through the, the vents or whatever it was, uh, it was the camera was really close on her. And it's at the same time she's saying that like she's claustrophobic. Yeah. And, and I suddenly felt claustrophobic from <laughs> how close I was to her face. I felt trapped. And it's not a, not in any way a dig at Linda Park or anything, but I was like, wow, we are really, really close yeah. to her face for no reason. It's, it's, um, it's like we, they were they were like uh, uh, a foot or so away and zoomed in. Yeah, I didn't understand it because they weren't doing that shot for anyone else. They were I, I, all in the same position, though. They were next to the, the comm panel, but for some reason, on Hoshi, they decided they wanted to get pro- inside her face. Probably a bit of uh, visual foreshadowing. Yeah, uh, well, that popped into my head on this viewing actually, because I was obviously watching it with a more critical eye because I knew we'd be talking about it, and yeah. I was like, "Oh man, it's just a yeah, it's uh, yeah, and, and... she does not come off well in this yeah. <laughs> in this one. Not not come off well, sorry, like as in she's not she isn't anything wrong herself. She is doesn't come out of it well, as in how she's treated. Yes, uh, by the camera. So yes. To speak. Um... But yeah, and, and, you know, even, you know, after talking about her claustrophobia, she still kind of volunteers, which, you know, kind of harkens back to our conversation about hers that, you know, she is willing to do things even if they do make her uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... Yeah, she, should we just race ahead then to the most uncomfortable part yes, of that whole Yes, that's fine, because, yeah, I'll just, I'll just briefly skip over. She she grabs the hyper race from Phlox and, and heads over to Malcolm's room, so... Um, yeah. And on her way to Malcolm's room, catches her top uh, when she's coming out uh, of the the vent or whatever Jeffrey's tube and her drops down. Top comes off. Uh, turns out she's not wearing a any kind of bra of yeah. some sort um, or, or clothing underneath. Um, and it's just uh, cupping her breasts when I, when Malcolm answers. I mean, it has to be said, Malcolm's reaction to this whole thing is hilarious. Yeah. He's as about as baffled as one would be. Of all the scenarios he probably thought in his head could happen whilst Hoshi was trying to carry out this uh, covert mission. Yeah. He probably didn't envision she was going to show up Topless. shirtless at his door. Uh, <laughs> we spoke about this a lot a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and I don't need to dwell on it now too much, but I just think that it's such an unnecessary moment, yeah. and it sticks out. You know the stuff with, which they did with T'Pol over the years where we'd see her scantily clad? Yeah. They would normally typically be a context for it. Right. Rightly or wrongly, there would be a context as to why we were seeing DePaul in that manner. I mean, even even a knight in sickbay tried to add the sexual frustration thing into yeah. Archer to give a context to it. 
there was no context no. for this at all. And, and, and they don't it, even bring bring it up later on. Like like never they never comes up again. Like they were yeah. they were thinking about maybe, you know, making Raiden Hoshi a, a thing, but That's what I took from it when I, yeah. the first time. And now I think, why wasn't it Reed and Hoshi getting together from this? Because otherwise it made no sense. And I think they only did it for the trailer, probably. Yeah. It probably just appears in the 30-second teaser for the, or even shorter, the 10-second spots on TV. And, and you know, um, at, the, at, the... at this point, like like well, like I said, you know, last week with our, our, you know, little clip on from the TV Guide from 2005, you know, at this point, UPN was all, all about getting the the young yeah. young male audience yeah they were and that's 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 all it exists there for and uh, the way she kind of brushes it off fits with the hoshi that we found out about in season four yeah when she's but it doesn't quite fit with the hoshi that nah. we know now the anxious the ner- nerves all these things for her to so, be so casual in brushing it off i think does a disservice to what we know of the character then but it feels very much in tune with how Hoshi talks in season four about what she was like during her Starfleet training and, yeah. and things like that but unnecessary I mean like you said they, they never mention it no again it never comes up again and it it's not a part of the like it makes no sense to me it, we talk about all the sexualization on the show of men and women yeah but and I've talked about just pure titillation sometimes uh or uh why they do it but this one was just completely unnecessary yeah like it it of all the unnecessary <laughs> nudity on the show where we didn't really need it this one was the completely unnecessary nothing nothing demanded that hoshi lose her top in that moment it's not even funny no the, the funniness comes from when she tells reads you know to get her a shirt <laughs> yeah but the whole fact of top came off when she fell down yeah i was like oh my god did did some 12 year old boys write this sequence you know or well. <laughs> it was what yeah was uh was rick berman wanting to be on set for that for that closed set and hope he was gonna well cop a look it, at Linda it Park's was breasts, it, you know? it, it was written by by berman and braga berman and brown braga yeah <laughs> i don't know it's just ugh. When a man writes unnecessary scenes like that, mm-hmm. it feels creepy to me, Chris. Yeah. It feels creepy that it's the actress that they're trying to get naked, yeah, and not the, the character. Yeah. It just it just feels and, very creepy to me. And you know, kind of kind of calling back to our discussions and forward in the season with actually the next episode. I I really don't think that that Tamir really needed to be backlit behind behind a white sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then being no, for, being forced yeah. to turn around and, and, you know, flip the dress back around, back the right way. Yeah, this was... When you put it in the context of that as well, it definitely shows that there was an attempt to sex up the show. Yeah. Uh, at the start of season two. But done with the maturity level of... Well, maybe 12, 12 year olds was... Was doing was me doing a disservice to twelve year olds, <laughs> you know. It's ten, uh, it ten was done with, year olds will say, yeah, <laughs> done with the maturity of someone, maybe even in single digits. I just, it's like I said, it, I got there in the end. Yeah, it's creepy. It, it just mm-hmm. feels creepy because they didn't need to do that. I, I don't think it's funny. I don't, and I'm a bloke. Yeah, I didn't even find it funny then, and I was, and I was a you know red blooded 
<laughs> you know, teenage boy. And oh, I don't know, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I, I always think about Linda Park in that scene. Did she care? We said this the other week. If she didn't care, then why do we care? Right. But, uh, but I'd like to think that yeah, you'd never see that now. No. You'd never see that now in yeah, with 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 no with no reason behind it. You would see it, yeah, yeah, but good. there was a reason behind it. Like yeah. like in in season one of Discovery, with the the scenes between Laurel and Voke, when when you know Ash is having yeah, his yeah, flashbacks. Yeah, yeah and there's a context for that. And it made sense yeah. that we would see Laurel uh, naked and, and and see her breasts. There's no nothing for for Hoshi in this situation. Uh, we could talk about this forever. Yeah. I mean, it's just a uh, uh, it's disappointing, but it's in the past as well. You know, we're aware of this. Might have been network as well. Yeah. So as much as I am throwing accusations at Rick Berman <laughs> or Brandon Bragger. Um, we know well, that UPN were asking for this kind of stuff as well. We'll so. just fault fault the, the suits. We'll just say it's the suits in general. It might have been one of the first instances where you get clear, definitive proof that Rick Berman and Brandon Bragger as a creative team mm-hmm. could not deliver the show that UPN wanted. Yeah. It was the, the first obvious example of it where they've tried to shoehorn something in to keep the network happy but actually does not work in their show. And we're talking about and Star Trek has been hypersexualized uh, throughout its entire run yeah. until more recently. And yet that fell out of place. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, I think it just that's alarm bells going off straight away saying we're not going to be able to do what they want us to do. We can't do this. I, I will say in the context of when the original series was made, the the way that, that they were a lot a lot of the way that, that, that they were dressed was, you know, at that time seemed are seen as more, you know, liberated because a lot of the, the, the feminists at the time were wanting the shorter skirts and being able to show, you know, more of their bodies as sort of a, a, a rebellion against being so Puritan, for lack of a better term. Mm. Okay. I'll have to bring that up on uh, her first track. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kate and I had a discussion about that on a, a recent episode that we taped, actually. Uh about the way women are being objectified uh, yeah. throughout the show, so that that adds an interesting uh, counter argument to it for me. So, so, um, so yeah, back back to back to, to the episode we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> once once the crew's all freed out and uh, near the transporter, T'Pol actually kind of goes back to pretending like she's still delirious from yeah. from the torture Brilliant. scenes, which Brilliant from T'Pol. Yeah, which Jolie knocked this this scene out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Oh. She seemed like she was just schizophrenic, didn't she? She was yeah. just um, looked like she completely just lost her mind, and then just switched. The moment she just switches, they just hand her a phaser or whatever it is they give to her. You're just like, wow, f- fair play to Paul. Yeah. Bloody hell, you. Yeah, because at that point, I don't think we had seen her. You know, more back to her normal self. So, mm. but again, like I said, that was disappointing as well, though. Yeah. That she was so easy, easily Easy. able to just flick the switch, yeah, and be normal again. Um, yeah, and at that that point, you know, two Sulaban come in, they kind of wrestle with her, and then Reed and Trip, you know, take take their their face pistols and and stun them and and hide the bodies. Um, 
Hoshi's left to to watch him with with the hypo spray and told not not to be afraid to. Or wait, no, yeah, actually, a hypo sprayed him, not not stunned him. Sorry. And they, they grabbed their the Suleiman pistols and and went mm-hmm. on. Hoshi's left there with the hypo sprays just in case they wake back up to to spray him again. Uh, and then at that point, Reed goes down to Daniel's quarters to to grab the device or to grab a device. And is caught by the Suleban and then interrogated. So purposely caught. Yes. Purposely caught by the Suleban, we should add. Yeah. That uh, was a deliberate part of their plan. And fair play to Reed, because he takes an absolute oh, beating yeah. for this. And a brutal beating. Uh but he he did it. Uh, that's Reed for you, mate. That's yeah. uh that's the kind of man he is. And, and he still had a stiff upper lip. So he he was oh, yeah. he was, he was a good brick yeah. too. <laughs> Oh yeah, he did his proud. He did his proud. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he, he winds up, you know, telling telling Silic that you know Archer had given him orders to to destroy it to prevent you know Silic from contacting someone. You know, at at this point, you know, at this point, I think I think us as viewers are kind of thinking, okay, Archer's like, you know, because we don't really see see the plan, you know, laid out at this mm. for this one. But at this point, you know, you kind of turn into your head, you know, Archer's like, okay, I need you guys to go to Daniel's quarters because you know that they're going to be watching it. I want you to to grab this piece of equipment so that way Silic can take it to wherever, fu- the, to the future guy's chamber, and that way I can come back. Which, yeah, you know, that, at that point, well. you, you know, you're, that's what you're thinking, and, you know, spoilers, mm. that's what winds up happening. Um, at this point, you know, uh, Trip and Topol are able to subdue all the Suleban in engineering and initiate a fake warp core breach. And that's when all the Suleban on the ship leave the ship and they tow Enterprise out of where the, the helix is. So so what what did you think about about that that whole scene? I thought it was quite creative. I know how they did it. Um uh particularly making them think that the ship was going to blow up. Uh, they needed to get it away. Um, but I don't know if they thought it through. Like, as we see, they get followed yeah. <laughs> immediately. So, um, well, so they were really banking I think, on, I think, I think on Archer's part of, it, part of the plan. Well, I think part yeah. of it was, since he knew they were supposed to be meeting up with the with that Vulcan cruiser, which I don't think he knew it was the Takira at the time, since they were supposed to be meeting up with them and they hadn't met, that the, the Vulcan ship would be coming towards them so they'd have yeah, some yeah. reinforcements. I think they're also relying on Archer being able to come back and get Silic to pull ships back. But yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was a gamble because they could have just found themselves in the exact same situation yeah. uh, again. But I, I liked it. I liked the fact that they, the idea of making it look like the ship was going to explode, I thought was was a nice touch. Yeah. And so yeah, once uh, Silic returns to to Future Guy's chamber... Uh, he uses the device and contact and starts, you know, getting in contact with what he thinks is future guy, and you know, desperately, you know, wanting to hear from him, get you know, new instructions because of the, the whole, yeah, the whole temporal temporal signatures from Archer's last known location, and it turns out he is met by none other than Archer's boots in his chest. Yeah, Archer takes him down. Um. Calls him an ugly son of a bitch, which seems a bit unnecessary. Yeah, the ugly part. I don't know why he calls him ugly. Because we're meant to believe that humans are past all 
Maybe, maybe he's just not a fan of cantaloupe. <laughs> I think you could just call him a son of a bitch, though. Yeah. Um, so uh, this bit, yeah, I don't know, but it was good. It's a good way he came back. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's all ridiculous. It, it's absolutely ridiculous that he was able to get back in the way he was. But I, I like that yeah. they tried to make it seem like an elaborate plan, anyway. But <laughs> yeah. So, 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 what did you think about the way that uh, Archer held Silic hostage? Um, well, he said, didn't he? Don't, if you try using any of your shape-shifting thing, I'm just going to blow a hole in your head, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, straight away. So I kind of like that. I mean, would the Suliban have given up so easily, even just based off Silic self-preservation? I'm not sure. Uh, but it made sense. It, t- it, it tied it all up neatly. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know if the Suliban would have allowed archer to have that much control over the situation you know like that number two that was there was already sort of baiting silic earlier in the episode yeah so it might have suited him for silic to get shot you yeah know, as far as far as he's concerned so uh but i liked it i thought it worked uh, it worked nicely i liked the reveal of archer then coming in the the pod with silic it gave you some indication that archer probably backed out of there with a Suliban all looking at him, but he's probably got a phaser to Silic's yeah. uh, head or something. Yeah, um, but I, I look within the confines of what they'd set out in the episode needed to happen. I thought it did a good job uh, yeah. in that regard. So yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. We kind of kind of jumped jumped into to the beginning of Act Four there. Um, so they they wind up you know starting you know getting attacked, and then they I think they took out like one or two of the the pod ships in pursuit. And then we've got the the cell ship that, that has Archer and Silic in it, um, and then so so at that point, I think isn't it just where Archer you know docks with the Enterprise? They undock the cell ship somehow with Silicon still unconscious and just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, why why not meet Silic's lucky he ever got home? <laughs> yeah. The the Dakir, you know, meets up with, with the Enterprise, and then that's when they give proof to Starfleet and the Vulcan High Command. Um, but Saval's still like, you know, Enterprise has been doing a lot of terrible shit. You guys need to come home. And, you know, even though you're not responsible for the destruction of the colony, you guys still need to come home because you're causing too much headaches for us. Yeah, uh, yeah he still saw an opportunity to... Uh, to try and just cancel the NX program, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Archer kind of makes, you know, one one final plea. Um, if you would like to go ahead and give that final plea. Okay, so um, this is the moment I've been waiting for All the day. whole episode. <laughs> the gazelle speech from Jonathan Archer. Okay. When I was in my early 20s, on a trip to East Africa, I saw a gazelle giving birth. It was truly amazing. Within minutes, the baby was standing up. Standing up on its own. A few more minutes, and it was walking. And before I knew it, it was running alongside its mother, moving away with the herd. Humans aren't like that, Ambassador. We may come from the same planet as those gazelles, but we're pretty much helpless when we're born. It takes us months before we're able to crawl, almost a full year before we can walk. Our deep space mission isn't much different. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few, before we find our footing. 
but we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. I'm sorry you can't see that. I'm done. <laughs> I remember when uh, the episode aired mm-hmm. initially and people got on about, you know, why was he talking about gazelles and they're just making fun of this speech. But actually, the speech isn't bad. The, the, no. The point, the point he's trying to make in the speech is is actually pretty on point and it's, it's pretty perfect. I, yeah. I like the speech. I don't care if it's famous for all the wrong reasons for most people. With me, it's famous for all the right reasons. Yeah. Maybe I'll deliver that speech to my son one day when he makes a mistake. There you go. <laughs> when he's getting older, I will deliver the gazelle speech to him uh, as a way of inspiring him and helping him to learn. Yeah. So, um, I say, yeah, you know, Saval, you know, is, you know, trying to dismiss this argument. And that's when T'Pol gives her her speech saying, you know, well, you know, Vulcans, you know, have learned from their mistakes as well. And don't you think it was a huge mistake desecrating a sacred temple for listening post? (laughs) I'm glad that gets mentioned again. Yeah. That's probably the one episode that gets mentioned the most during the whole show. Like there's. (laughs) Uh, this fallout from that episode is now for the entire oh, yeah. series. Yeah, and I guess I least it, expect it. Yeah, at that that point, that's when when Saval just you know leaves the room, and so does his attaché. But uh, Forrest is like, you know, there's going to be further discussions, but you guys are pretty much going to be staying, staying yeah. out there. So, so what, what did you think about you know Saval leaving in a huff and Forrest being like, yeah, you guys are good. Uh, very, you wouldn't see that now. The whole walking out in the huff, I don't think that's very much a '90s, early noughties kind of TV thing. I, I don't think you'd get that moment anymore. But you just get a look from Saval to to Paul, I think. But I liked it. Uh, it was really hitting home that to Paul had had basically caught him out and, yeah. and had called him on his bullshit. Um. And it's an interesting relationship between T'Pol and Saval, but you know we'll talk about that another time. But I, I liked it, T'Pol. This kind of followed on that thread of part one when T'Pol was telling Archer that he'd need to stand up to the Vulcans, mm-hmm. and his speech was good, but was it enough? No, it wasn't enough to shut up Saval, but T'Pol's speech was. Yeah, and and she came home and she nailed it for them. Um, very, it just felt very similar to like season one when. Archer thought that T'Pol, in the first episode, Broken Bow, when Archer thought T'Pol had sent them back to Earth when he'd been uh, unconscious with his injury, then it turns out she'd um, carried on the the mission, the investigation. uh, It felt a bit like that, you know, where out of nowhere T'Pol has kind of just uh, been the glue that's kept it all together and and sent them off on a merry way. So, yeah, it was good that Earth was involved in that as well. It wasn't just a video call from Forrest. It was nice that yeah, got to see that thing. I mean, the idea though that that whole chat might take place in front of the entire bridge crew seems a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I I wasn't taught to do that in any of my HR training. I would have been uh, no. in a private meeting. <laughs> I can say, so me... Paul wouldn't have even been there to do it. Well, well, I think, I think probably the 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 proper you know protocol for that would have been in the ready room with with you know to Paul and Trip. 
So you get your individual your, statements. Your, yeah, yeah, your top your top three in command there. So yeah. So yeah, it was a bit lack lackadaisical with that, I guess. But uh, but it was worked. It was a nice happy ending. We had the Trek speech about the gazelles and with the character moment with T'Pol. Yep. So I I think it ticked all the boxes. Um, there. So yeah, then uh, you know late, late, later on, you know Archer's like, well, you know you you know go, goes to Paul and you know thanks her for for her you know little speech and said that it put it over the top and she's like, well, what does that mean? You and he Archer responds with saying, you put it over the top. Yeah. So yeah. she saved the day, man. Paul yeah. saved the day. So uh, overall, what, what were your uh, what, what what are your closing thoughts here on Shockwave Part Two? I'm always struck by an interview I watched with Michael Pillar, and it might very well have been on like DVD extra features uh, for TNG. And uh, it was about best of both worlds. Uh, he okay. said that you know when when he wrote the first part, he believed he was done with Trek. After that, he was leaving Star Trek after season three. Uh, but so he wrote that cliffhanger. No idea how he was going to fix uh, <laughs> Picard being a Borg. Uh, the whole fact that the Enterprise was about to fire a weapon which could destroy the Borg cube. And he didn't have to worry about it. He said he wrote it that way because he knew he could take it as uh, make the situation as dire as possible. For, and for he wouldn't have person. to fix it. But then he was persuaded to stay, and then he was the one who had to fix it. <laughs> and uh, I, I always remember that uh, him, him saying that because there's so many cliffhangers, but more especially in Trek because of how much Trek there is from that period of time. Yeah, where that just comes true, and this this episode feels like that. They raise the stakes so ridiculously high with how they stated Archer wouldn't be able to get back and such that. The solution they came up with was not satisfactory, in, in my opinion. I don't. Okay. There wasn't any creativity. I don't think with how uh, Daniels fixes the problem. As I said earlier, they kind of pointed out the issues that a lot of this time stuff presented, and they never really resolved it. It was just like, yeah, if you if you point it out, then it's fine. Uh, I don't think it works in the context of Star Trek. Sometimes that uh, you can do it in a Doctor Who. It's yeah. A bit more silly, but. Um, so yeah, I was disappointed with the resolution of the 31st century stuff. That 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 was disappointing to me, um, and it still is now. I feel like it it does it does harm the cliffhanger because they didn't know how to get out of it. And that's what's incredible to me is that in 2001, after how many season finales that they clearly wrote a season yeah. finale where they didn't know how they were going to resolve it. How can you even then? How can you possibly? be doing that kind of television 24 had been on at this point yeah for a whole season you know tv had changed and rick berman bloody hell if he made star trek now he'd be trying to make something from the 90s but yeah you know they i just don't understand well you know how do you feel do you find it ridiculous that they did the cliffhanger they did mm-hmm. and very obviously did not know how they were going to resolve it I guess I guess I I never really you know thought too deeply on it until till now, um, because I 
I, I really enjoyed, you know, them both together as a whole. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kinda kinda now now getting into the little nitpicky bits, it, it does seem, you know, like it should like they should have, you know been like been like and then it's sort of like sort of like, you know, improv and they, they left the left part two really hanging. It's like, okay, you mm-hmm. did this, now what? And they didn't yeah, like like you're saying, they didn't think it all the way through like they should have. Yeah, because you know, if you're writing that, now I used to do a lot of writing myself, um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not completely new to these kind of discussions and things. But if you if you're doing a cliffhanger like that, you need to have an idea of how you're going to get out of it. Now, okay. I'm all about the idea that you can come up with a with a cliffhanger in a book or in a. a a film or TV, and not know what the resolution is going to be. But what you don't do is paint yourself into such a corner right. that it becomes impossible to resolve the story without cheapening what came before it. And that's what happened here. The fact they were so adamant in that stuff with Daniels uh-huh. that there was no way to send Archer back, but then they found a way so easily... In this episode, in part two, that cheapened what came before it, in my opinion. And and that's an error on their part for me. So how would you fix it? So like they're 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 in part one. What would you have done differently to make part two not, not not cheapen part one as much? I wouldn't have made it so abundantly clear there was no way back okay like i would have still had daniels could still say to archer like i i can't send you back right now it's it's all gone yeah but that would have been enough you know you would have got the same feeling on the cliffhanger that oh god there's no way to send him back but daniels hadn't in that scenario had not specified that every potential route to get him back was gone he just would have been saying that the one that they would have both been referring to the way that Daniel yeah. brought Archer to the future. That one's gone, uh, and you would have still got the same feeling from the cliffhanger, as I said. And then in this one, I mean, it's still ridiculous how they did it, but it would yeah. have still it, it would have fitted a bit more, I think. Okay. I just think they they raised now, the expectations so much to try and pop a rating, and I just don't think it it worked in that situation. You know, it's I don't know. Um, yeah, I, now, I get the feeling you you think differently though. I gotta say, uh, one one thing that that you know kind of was popping in my head you know at the at the time you know not not looking at it as critically is i took daniel saying it's all gone referring to all of you know his usual stuff that he he needed to to do all the, all the things that he did yeah yeah but i just think and not not you know said, like, all, everything's there all, all technology and, and everything because um but but one 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 thing that does kind of pop into my head the way that it is now you know kind of taking it in, into your context of you know meaning all technology everywhere is why did Archer have the communicator and scanner to begin with? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could argue maybe he carries them around all the time, but I think we know that's not true though because we've yeah. seen them, we've seen them like stock up for missions and stuff. So um, I would have honestly, if it were me, I know that. They couldn't get away with it at the time, but I would have just maybe doing it over two episodes would have been better. Shockwave Part Two, Shockwave Part Three. 
Yeah. You don't bring Archer back in part two. You bring him back in part three. In part two, you have Archer dealing with a threat there that's in, there in, in, the in the future. Someone, yeah. st- people, some people still on the planet. Some people who can help him and Daniels by the end of it to do part three. It just seemed so... I don't know. It, um, maybe one solution would have been to... I know they wanted to introduce the idea that Archer was so important that the Federation didn't get founded, and that yeah. seems to be where things went wrong. But maybe one way around it would have been to have not had to make that statement here, make right. that statement in a later episode, and actually have people who... He'd been talking about how there's the Temple of Cold War and people from different time periods. He could have had someone from a previous time period come and um, maybe send someone to the future 100 years or so to grab yeah. Archer to help send him back. Because that, in that indi- in that scenario, suggesting that whatever destroyed Earth was much more near to Daniels' time than so long before. But I guess you kind of lose that nice... It was a bit eerie knowing that Earth had probably looked like that for uh, half a millennia. So you would have lost that. Yeah, you would have lost that vibe. But I mean, when you think about it anyway, the Federation was going to fall in another hundred years. Yeah. (laughs) As we found out on Discovery. So it was was all for now anyway. But I don't know. I think the problems came from part one, Chris, in that cliffhanger. It was, I mean, they made it too hard to get out of and they didn't need to. They didn't need to get, they didn't need to make it that hard. Um, they could have done the exact same cliffhanger without making it so difficult to get out of it. All right. So do you, do you want to give a rating or do you want to save that for for another time? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's still a decent episode. It, I enjoy Shockwave. Like you said, I enjoy yeah. Shockwave as a, a viewing experience. I think both episodes are very different, though. Like the first episode's slower, um, more character driven I think and it's looking a bit more deeply at the characters I don't think part two does that part two is just like a bit of a um just an action story really yeah. with a bit of fluff here and there the hoshi things um so rating it hmm well if I compare it to other season premieres so it, it doesn't even touch broken bow yeah um the zindi is a better episode in season three Stormfront Part One uh, is also better. Okay, so okay. if I were to to rate, I would probably say it was the weakest of the season premieres, season premieres? Uh, okay. of Enterprise. Yeah, and I do think it it had an impossible task though. Yeah. Again, because of how that, just the level of that cliffhanger, it was just impossible to deliver through. I've seen it recently on um, uh, on Batwoman, which I just reviewed for Nerd since '86, and. You know, the season two premiere had such a hard job yeah. on that show that it kind of felt like, oh, got excited for, for nothing, really. Yeah, um, well, I'm going to say, yeah, because they had to they had to work, work up with... Did, did, did they do a... I forget, did they do a cliffhanger on at the end of season one or no? Yeah, but it wasn't the intentional one because... Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I know they had to... But, I know they had yeah. to, to, you know, kind of finish up whatever they're doing with season one and kind of explain why she looks different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, they they changed the character and stuff, so they uh, without spoiling it for listeners who haven't watched it yet. But um, but yeah, it's another one of those sort of underwhelming season premieres. And I mean, that's so that's still happening now. It's yeah. Still happening nowadays. But yeah, I think uh, it's not a bad episode though. Shockwave. It's not bad. It's just 
underwhelming. Ah, I keep saying that. They, yeah, it's underwhelming because of what they th- made me think was going to happen. But, I mean, what else could they have done? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they had made it difficult for themselves. How about you? Um, like I say, I do, I do enjoy it. Um, like you, just because of, of how great the other three season premieres are, that, that, you know, this one is, is, is fourth. Now, if we had season five and it's the way that, that Brandy and I spelled it out, I, I'd actually probably put this one above ours, but you know, <laughs> just, just because, just because we have a lot of bureaucracy and stuff happening and, You've just so I mean, so you've just said that your season premiere from the writers' room with Brandy would be the worst season premiere of the whole show. Well, I mean, we still got two. We still got two more to write. So, <laughs> what? So you're going to aim to to make it what you would perceive as as even no, worse? No, no, make it make it make them better. So, brilliant. That's pretty. That's that's tickled me at this late hour. That's that's made me laugh. Fair play. <laughs> on tenth March, twenty twenty one, our weekly discussion will focus on the Star Trek Enterprise novel Daedalus. This was the fourth original Enterprise novel, following by the book What Price Honor and Surak's Soul, which we have previously reviewed on this podcast and can be found on our podcast feed. If you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss in our 10th of March 2021 show, then please dig out your copy of Deedless or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy. We look forward to our next book club brew. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Starbase 1, the Star Trek Online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning, the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase 1... Welcome to Starbase One. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Star Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of and it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great it, read. Yeah, he put he put other stuff in it. And, but, you know, but, I, but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why. He, like, why wouldn't know, Scotty just yeah, continue yeah. to be an engineer and, you know, be a proud worker and Starfleet officer? 
Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Her First Trek, a Star Trek Preview Podcast. I'm not feeling him right now. What, Worf? Yeah. No, Worf is not good at this point on the show. Is he good at later point? Yeah. You don't like Worf? No, but you say that like I'm supposed to know. I obviously don't know. Well, on DS9, Worf is awesome. Oops. Spider. I was just going to say, he's not on DS9. Oh, well, I've just given you a spoiler. Oh, come on. Okay. All right. Well, it's amazing we've done even four episodes before this where I haven't spoiled other stuff. You'll forget this anyway. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.